Welcome to Clets Heads, the podcast about bilingual children. My name is Sharon Onsworth, linguist at Radboud University in Nijmegen, the Netherlands, a mother of two bilingual children. COVID-19, lockdown, homeschooling. If you're sick of hearing these three words, then I'm afraid this extra episode of Clets Heads is not for you. Because today we're going to be talking about the impact of the pandemic on bilingual families. We'll talk about how bilingual families have been tackling homeschooling and about the ups and downs of bilingual parenting during this difficult period. Keep listening to find out more. It's early 2021 and many countries around the world are still in a strict lockdown. For many families, this means that our homes are not only the place where we eat, play and sleep, but also the place where many grown-ups now have to work, whilst either keeping their young children entertained or supervising older children's schoolwork. And I think that many parents would agree that homeschooling and home office, as the Germans call it, are not necessarily perfect companions. And it's not just a matter of the time spent on homeschooling, it's also sometimes really hard. How does Microsoft Teams work exactly? Did the teacher really say that you're allowed to skip that exercise? And no, I don't know either how you divide 540 by 15. And I'm sorry I can't explain it in exactly the same way as your teacher taught you. Challenging times for many of us then. And I haven't even mentioned the question of whether there's a laptop or a tablet available for everyone. Whether there's enough room in the house for everyone to be able to work in a quiet space. Or how we're all supposed to manage living in each other's pockets day in day out. These are challenges that apply to all families, regardless of how many languages and what languages are spoken in the home. But bilingual families may also face additional challenges. How do you supervise your child with homeschooling if you're only just learning the school language yourself? If you're a teacher, how can you support parents with limited proficiency in the school language? And how can you best support your child's homeschooling if you're capable of speaking the school language but normally never do? Should you have to switch to the school language, so Dutch in our case here in the Netherlands, or is it okay to carry on using your native language? These are all questions that I've been asked over the past few weeks and months, and so I figured it was high time to devote an episode of Kletzheads to the impacts of the lockdown on bilingual families. Now, here in the Netherlands, the primary schools have actually just reopened, but secondary schools are still teaching online and children with family members who are shielding or who are shielding themselves, of course, have to stay at home. In many other places around the world, all schools remain closed and in many countries, this also holds for preschools or for childcare centres too. What you're about to hear is a combination of experiences from parents and teachers, where possible combined with insights from scientific research. Of course, not much research has actually been done specifically on the impact of the pandemic on the language development of bilingual children. But at the end, I'll tell you a little bit about the first results from a study carried out in the UK and Ireland and about a similar study that we're setting up here in the Netherlands. More about that later. We start with experiences of families here in the Netherlands who don't speak Dutch at home either because the parents can't speak Dutch or because they normally speak another language with their children. For this, I spoke to Tessa Mearns, researcher, teacher and coordinator of the World Teachers Programme at the Teacher Training Institute at Leiden University. As you'll hear, Tessa is also a mother of two bilingual children and I started by asking her 
what her family's experience had been of the lockdown. Yeah, so I've got um, I've got two little girls, uh, aged five and eight. Um, so they're primary school age. Uh, we speak English in the home and we and Dutch outside of the home. We're a completely English uh, language family at home. Um, well, the the challenges that we've come up against have been, um, like you said, like these two different sort of categories. One is that we think we worry a little bit about the amount of Dutch that our uh, girls are coming into contact with in the home, um, or the lack of Dutch that they're coming into contact with in the home. Yeah. They don't have, you know, as we know about um, multilingual children that. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a great asset to be multilingual, but it's important if the languages are going to be strong that they get enough exposure to the enough quality exposure to um, to their different languages. And you know, normally Dutch is taken care of in the school, and now suddenly that whole element of the uh, what you would call input in in Dutch is is practically gone. Certainly, in terms of listening to, uh, to Dutch and speaking Dutch themselves as well, they're not they're not practicing the language as much themselves, um, and that's that's made us sort of realise that we are you know we are a, a family that, that that in that sense uh, could struggle more in the in this setting. Um, something I noticed in my oldest daughter was that uh, in the first lockdown, she wanted to read more in English during the lockdown. I think maybe because there was so much more English around her, uh, she started reading a lot in English, which at first we thought was great. So we thought, great, yeah. she's going to practice her English. But then her Dutch spelling suddenly went downhill. And when she went back to school and she had had spelling tests and, and was writing things, and, and suddenly spelling, which she was always been quite strong in, was a actually becoming a sort of problematic issue so in this lockdown we've actually sort of made sure we're, we're, we're getting plenty of Dutch books from uh, our library has a pickup service where we can go and pick yeah. up uh, packet, packets of a mystery packet of books for a certain age group and then so she's reading in Dutch rather than in, in English at the moment. I'm guessing in the meantime between the two lockdowns we've had in the Netherlands then Presumably, her spelling picked up a bit in between, or is it something that you're greatly concerned about? I think I think it will pick up again. I'm not concerned about it in the long run, but it, yeah, it is something that she needs to focus on. You know, there can be all kinds of different things that play a role in that. Um, but that was definitely one of the things that made us think. Well, you know, we do have to be careful that they're getting enough exposure to to Dutch. Not, I mean, that was in terms of written Dutch, but also in terms of speaking. So that's that's something that we've definitely noticed. In terms of um, of their speaking, it's more so for us, it's a sort of concern. But I've heard from other parents that they have noticed their children's spoken Dutch also um, declining when they're at home more and uh, that they're becoming a little bit concerned about that. And that they've, I also heard from some parents that they felt even, again, similar to my daughter's spelling, that after the first lockdown, they did go back to school and then... They still felt that even after that time when they'd gone back to school, that it was still behind where it should have been at that point. And I know there's been no research into this uh, at the moment, but it is something that I've been hearing anecdotally from people. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, just to be completely fair, you know, of course, uh, bilingual children who maybe don't have as much or any contact with the Dutch at home are going to be getting less input. And, you know, in that sense, this will have an impact on skills like spelling but of course, the lack of input might hold for other children as well, monolingual children, even if they are in a Dutch speaking household, if they're not getting the support that they need, 
um, is also going to be an impact. Yeah. Yeah, I can yeah. I can well imagine that too. And that's something that you know, lots of parents across the world are concerned about. And uh... what what else have you been hearing then from parents about how they've been approaching this then? In terms of dealing with, um, you know, their their own worries about their, their children's uh, language, you know, here and we've we've like I said, we've had certain things that we've been trying to do, and other parents that I've heard of have had some great ideas about ways that they can uh, uh, try and sort of substitute that 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 Dutch input and, uh, as a bit in the whole. Uh, something that we've done at one point is organised. Uh, we've ordered, organised a couple of um, like uh, online little parties uh, for mm-hmm. our, our kids, so that they can, even if they don't go out and play with other kids at the play park, because not all families are are really that comfortable with kids playing together. Even though in the Netherlands it is allowed for children to play together, yeah. a lot of families aren't doing that. But we can, you can still have like a little Zoom party or a Google Meet party. Uh, the kids are so used to using these online platforms now that you can, you know, you can organize with it with one friend or with a couple of friends that they uh, they get together and then they can speak to each other. As, you know, so speaking to to peers in their in their yeah. school language yeah. is giving them the opportunity to see their friends as well and to socialize and to use the language, you know, for enjoyment and not just for school so that it's not just a school language for them. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, it's true. You know, if you're only using it for school, then it, you know, it can be a bit of a nag in a way, right? Because let's face it, not all kids, even if they enjoy school, they don't necessarily enjoy having school with mom and dad. Yeah, exactly. So that's something that we really enjoy doing. And, you know, with the little one, we need to get, we need to sort of support it a little bit. And, you know, you have to give them stuff to do with each other, encourage them to talk to each other and not just stare at each other. And the older one, you know, we just leave them and, you know, we listen in every now and then and find they're they're playing a game together you know like I said in the Netherlands uh, you are still allowed to let your children go to the play park and play with other children so that's another way that they can also come into contact with peers but I also realize that that's not something that everyone's comfortable with at the moment something else that um, has been really helpful for us has been television but like trying to you know like we we have a great uh, uh, youth uh, news program in the Netherlands at the Youth Journal um which is definitely a, a big family favorite for us uh that we watch yeah here too. <laughs> yeah we watch it most my years. main source of news sometimes uh, yeah yeah same for me <laughs> and um we uh, uh we really enjoy watching that and that's actually really nice as well because it's helping them to also process everything that's going on around them at the moment we live in such a tumultuous period at the moment it's also really nice for them and that they can talk about those current events with the dutch vocabulary with both languages actually so they're able to express their feelings and, and, and thoughts on all these events in both languages or if it comes yeah. up in a reading exercise at school that they also they've seen that in the news and they've already got some of the vocabulary for it other things that that i think would be are really helpful are um things like podcasts or or radio programs and things that they can also listen to yeah i know so i know audio books as well um mm-hmm. i think there are quite a few platforms that are opening up things um for free yeah, because of the pandemic, uh, libraries often have audio books, podcasts for sure. In the Netherlands, the Van Zinniger podcast is a really good podcast all about uh, where children talk about their favorite books. Clockhouse, which is a Dutch yeah. TV program, has a podcast as well. We just started listening to that, and I think there's one I would have to look it up, but I'll put the link in the show notes. I think a Wow on the World, hmm. which is an American 
podcast for kids about science. Mm. That's in English, but you know, I'm sure wherever you are, podcasts for kids are becoming quite a big thing. Yeah. Also, actually, had a great resource to up the language input in whatever language that you're interested in. Something that I'm conscious of is that as um, internationals living in a, in a context that is not your own country, you might not know about all of these things. And I would, you know, my main sort of advice in that situation would be either. Ask your kids if they if they're old enough. Ask your kids whether they've heard of any of these things through their friends, uh, or ask other parents if you can. You know, just be open and just ask for you know some tips on on you know what sorts of uh, TV programs they watch with their kids or or what sorts of podcasts their kids might listen to you know in doubt ask the teachers you know the teachers will probably also have some good recommendations for for things like that so what else have other people been doing then something that um i've enjoyed hearing from people as well is that they've been using just the material that their kids are getting from school uh as a way of of sort of uh, talking about the language or comparing the language or using both languages together um so like if there's a reading task to do and the so the child has a question that the parents can't always <laughs> can't always really help because they don't know the language themselves or not very well but they can help their children to access that material just by asking them questions about it so then it gets the children really thinking I mean actually it's a great exercise for their cognitive processing I think as well yeah thinking yeah. through what they're talking what they're learning actually could really help them to learn it even better and one of the things that, that, that we know about learning is that explaining something to somebody else can really help you to process it and learn it better yourself so that uh, that's something that I think is uh thought it was a lovely example to hear about and another thing that I think has been a really nice little bonus actually is that my daughter's class uh, the teacher sometimes plays a game with the kids where they have to she says a word or she shows a word or something and then they have to run as fast as they can and go and find that object in their house and um for my daughter and some of her she's got quite a few friends who also speak a different language at home and for some of them this has been great because they actually didn't know those words in dutch because they never talk about kitchen roll ah, ah because they're home words and you don't talk about those at school yeah so that was actually a really uh, that's actually been a, a little bonus that they're actually accessing some vocabulary that they wouldn't have actually used very often at all in in Dutch. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that my daughter's teacher uh, did hold up the word bra uh, one day, <laughs> and I found out that my daughter was the only one who had the guts to go into mummy's drawer and pull one out. So she's also learned that word. <laughs> very good and uh, the rest of the class now knows what underwear you were yeah. <laughs> uh, so there are positive effects to the lockdown for bilingual families too as well as challenges we'll talk more about such positive effects on the home language as well as the use of the home language when doing schoolwork later on but first we're going to talk a bit more about what teachers can do to support bilingual families Time then to hear from our second guest in this episode, Francesca Lamorgia. Originally from Italy, Francesca now lives in Ireland, where she is director of the organisation Mother Tongues. Mother Tongues uh, was founded in 2017 
and um, I suppose it grew very quickly as the only organization in Ireland that deals with uh, supporting both families but also educators on finding out more about issues related to language but also uh, culture, identity and education. So Ireland is a really fascinating place to work in, especially I'm, I'm from Italy and I moved here quite young but to be here in a context where there is a minority language like Irish, which is taught in schools, was mm -hmm. really interesting to me. And obviously, Ireland is quite small and it's an English speaking country for the majority of the island. But there's more than 180 languages spoken around the country. Uh, so multilingualism is really everywhere, but it's, it still feels like something quite new. So as an organization, we're the really the first port of call for anybody who wants to find out about language and multilingualism. So like many other countries in the world, Ireland is currently in a lockdown. Can you tell us how multilingual families have been dealing with that and what you've been doing as an organization to, to help them? Yeah, so uh, when we first heard uh, that things were getting slowly worse and worse uh, around March time, we were in the middle of piloting a fa family toddler group, I suppose, uh, where families from around the world were gathering. And we were so happy to be able to be there for them, especially for those who were new. And suddenly then this thing kind of shattered our communities and people who were looking to connect, especially people who are new here, really mm -hmm. were found kind of isolated and without obviously family, but also without a network of friends and supports. And so uh, we started to address different uh, areas as a response to this. We supported uh, heritage language teachers or community language teachers who also found themselves suddenly without their pupils, without the families that they were supporting. So we thought maybe what we could do was being a support for them. So every month and actually during the first part of the pandemic, even quite often, every maybe two, three weeks, we would meet with the teachers to find out how the families were doing and how they could be supported better. Uh, because the teachers are the ones who have the most day-to-day -day contact with uh, their communities. And then we were asked by Trinity College Dublin to collaborate on a project to create a resource for teachers and also for parents who were then starting to realize around maybe April, May time, parents realized the schools were not going to reopen and that it was all going to be on us to really deal with the situation and to make the most of this time at home. And so together with Trinity College, we developed uh, some videos and resources to support both parents and teachers on the homeschooling uh, side of things. So that's homeschooling, obviously, mostly in the majority language, so for English. So there's that side of it. And then I heard you said you were also in contact with the heritage language teachers. So that's when children, say, are of Polish or Portuguese heritage uh, follow classes in those languages. So there's those two aspects. Have you taken the same approach to both? What have you been doing exactly? There, there were different concerns from different ends. So the yeah. mainstream teachers, so the English language teachers, were very concerned because they were missing out on the day-to-day communication that they had with parents who may have struggled with English. So they had very practical questions such as, well, I can't get through to the family. And even if I do, 
they can't speak to me, they need an interpreter. Or I send homework, but the parents get stressed because they think it's all on them to actually get it done and to help the children, when actually all I'm trying to do is to keep the children engaged rather than wanting to put pressure on the family. So the idea of creating this uh, video for teachers was to give them a couple of tools and ideas to know how to communicate with families who don't share the same language or new to English right. in our context. When we were uh, initially developing this toolkit for teachers with very, very simple you know, ideas and tips, one of them was really to find creative ways to reach out to families, which back in March was really strange because you were used to seeing people every day and suddenly yeah. teachers found themselves, okay, sh I, the phone call didn't work, the email didn't work. Why am I not able to reach out to this family? We shared some ideas about uh, translation of messages, about using apps that uh, translate your voice and you could be sending an audio message over to the family. And for families that don't write in the school language would be probably better to listen to an audio message and they can also translate that with some obviously digital tools. Again, the digital divide was another major issue at, at the time and it still continues to be. But we translated some common school messages in Albanian, Arabic, Polish, Portuguese, Romanian and Spanish so that teachers could pick out some phrases that they wanted to use to communicate the messages. And, and really, the main message the schools were trying to communicate was not get as much work as done as possible, but it was that even if parents are learning with their children using their mother tongue, this learning is valuable. And I think to me, this is the main message, is that if the parents and the children are engaged in learning activities in the home, this is learning. For, for the parents, we did videos that uh, they could access in Romanian, Polish, Portuguese and Arabic to tell them how they could address literacy, numeracy. So the day-to-day -day, uh, subjects that the children do in school. Uh, and obviously this was directed primarily at primary school children yeah. because yeah. of course it's very different from secondary um, but really on how to learn within the home looking at for example numeracy by playing out in the garden rather than worrying too much about the textbook or thinking that you have to replicate school because especially at the very beginning of this pandemic it was impossible to replicate school. Everybody was in shock and everybody was stressed for many, many different reasons. So it was a way to give a positive and relaxing message to the families that even the learning that takes place when you're baking a cake is important and it, it feeds into the child's academic development. Some great tips there from Francesca and her organisation Mother Tongues. You can find links to these resources in the show notes, which you'll find either in your podcast app or on our website. I'm sure that they will be of use to both parents and teachers in different contexts, as well as those in Ireland or English speaking countries. Tessa also had some concrete tips for teachers about how to support bilingual families during the lockdown. It's important to realise that many children who use another language at home often don't have any real problems with the school language at all. And in some cases, teachers might not even be aware that now that these children are no longer at school, 
the contact with the school language is in many cases quite limited. It's important, I think, for schools not to assume that those kids aren't going to have any difficulties in the current situation. So suddenly there's a new group of kids that um, could need extra support and also that their parents need extra support. So in the very first week or two of the first lockdown, we were asked uh, to give our children a spelling test I know that immediately one of the most more assertive parents in the in the class immediately contacted the teacher and said, I, I am not going to do this. I can't pronounce these words well enough to um, read them out for my daughter to make sure she spells them correctly. Because, the, you know, as you know, Sharon, the, the vowel sounds in Dutch can be quite challenging. Absolutely. To, um, to, to a non-native speaker, even one who's very proficient. If we pronounce them wrongly, then that will affect the way that they spell it. You know, there was an assertive mother in the class who could contact the school and say, you know, or contact the teacher and say, look, sorry, but I can't do this. And from that point onwards, that was always seemed to be the policy that either they would do um, it live during a, a Google Meet or they would pre-record the list of words for the uh, children to listen to at home. And that was um, wonderful. It made such a difference um, to making sure that, that, that our kids don't feel somehow disadvantaged or, you know, that they don't wrongly get marked down for something just because mum couldn't say it properly, you know. <laughs> um, or dad. Or dad, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Just those little sorts of uh, things. It's quite hard to be aware of everything, especially at these times. But just being aware that, you know, there are certain things that you might accidentally take for granted. That is that is tricky for families. So, you know, staying in touch with them, making sure that they uh, they know where they can contact you, that your, your door's open if they have feedback. You know, you don't have to think of everything yourself. But if, yeah. as long as they know that they can approach you and, and mention if they're struggling with something and that there can be support available if, if they do need extra support. Yeah, and I suppose also being open about it's it's okay for parents to talk about the schoolwork and explain it in the other language. Absolutely. That's a major uh, one. And I think that that's something that probably doesn't happen all over the place. It's, it's an absolute ideal situation where we're... we're children are allowed to really permitted to use their full sort of linguistic repertoire all of the language yeah. that they that they have at their disposal in order to learn and um, this is just I think this this situation just highlights even more how important that is so as we also heard earlier from Francesca it's perfectly okay to use the home language to support the type of learning children normally do at school in a different language in fact, there's plenty of research showing that giving bilingual children the chance to make use of all the languages that they know, all of their linguistic repertoire, as Tessa just called it, can facilitate their understanding as well as making them feel empowered. This is what's often referred to as translanguaging. It's a topic that we'll dedicate a whole episode to at some point later on in the season. The research that's been done on this topic with children is about what happens at school, but there's no reason to think that such an approach can't also work for children now they're at home. I asked Francesca what advice Mother Tongues has been giving to parents when it comes to using the home language whilst homeschooling. It changes from family to family because uh, I think it changes also depending on where the child is in terms of uh, their language learning or language development. So for some families, the real concern was actually, say, 
I might speak Arabic. My child is stronger in Arabic. Just started school when the lockdown happened. Should we start to teach them English and maths at the same time and everything else? And actually, probably the advice for that kind of family would be to build on the child's knowledge in the strongest language because that will continue, you know, will keep the child learning in the language they know best. Uh, in other contexts where uh, the children feel like, say, my own son is doing long divisions and <laughs> this is driving oh. me crazy, but he wants to, he's thinking in English and he's talking through the, I suppose, the instructions of the teacher through English. And that's how he memorizes it. That's how he, it makes sense in his mind. So I feel in that context, it makes sense for him to continue doing that because it kind of scaffolds his learning. So I'm yeah. not going to yeah. try and say, well, now let's do it in Italian, when actually even the methodology of doing divisions, what, the way I learned it in school is completely different. So I will be adding another layer to his activity. So I think sometimes when it comes to these kind of things, I separate it. The, I, se I would separate the homework that is for school that the child feels very comfortable doing in the school language from maybe extra activities that you might want to do in your own language to continue also the learning of that, whether that's geography or science, it's absolutely perfect to do learning, you know, even formal learning in your mother tongue alongside what they're doing in school. And for me, one big tip would be listen to the child and what what do they want to do? What do they feel relaxed and comfortable doing? And that's how they learn best when they are using the language that they feel gets them learning and thinking. There's no one size fits all here then. You need to think about where your child is at in terms of his or her development in the school language and in the home language and figure out what you think will work best. It's not always easy though. I know that some parents are concerned that because they're using the school language more at home, this is having negative consequences on the other language. One parent I heard from, Daria Kasimanova, told me that this was definitely the case for her son. Normally she speaks Russian to him, but whilst homeschooling, she's found that she often ends up switching to Dutch because he simply doesn't have the right vocabulary in Russian and forcing him to do his schoolwork in Russian would demotivate him and take even longer. Daria wrote that she was really frustrated because his Russian wasn't as good as his Dutch to start with and now it's getting worse. This is definitely a challenge and I'm sure it can be quite disheartening to parents who were perhaps already struggling to motivate their children to speak their native language. As we heard though, if you're a parent who normally speaks a language other than the school language, then it's perfectly okay to use this to help your kids with the schoolwork. And it doesn't matter which language this is. Tessa and I have been talking about using English to help our children, but it could be Italian, it could be Turkish, it could be Russian, Arabic, it doesn't matter. If it's easier for you to explain a concept in that language, then that's fine. If your child is struggling to understand though, it's also okay to mix in words from the school language. This might be the happy medium which parents like Daria are looking for. So you keep the home language as the main language, but when necessary, switch to the school language. And if you're thinking, well, all this language mixing, that can't be good, then listen to the last episode of Kletzhead where we talked about language mixing. 
As Tessa remarked earlier on in this episode, using the home language whilst homeschooling can sometimes have positive effects on that language too, as children can pick up new words and structures, more academic language, which they might not have learnt otherwise. Some parents have reported other positive effects of the lockdown on the children's home language. Now that we're all forced to stay at home, there's more time for families to spend together. And according to a recent study carried out in the UK and Ireland, for many bilingual families, this actually means that children are getting to hear more of the home language than they would do otherwise. This study was conducted by Ludovica Sertrice at the University of Reading together with colleagues in the UK and Ireland, including mother tongues. What these researchers found was that parents reported that their children were learning more new words in the home language, that some had also begun to use the home language more actively and some had even learnt to read in that language. Francesca told me that this is something that she also observed with her daughter. Here's what she said when I asked her about her own family's experience of the lockdown. Right now, we've accepted this second big uh, school closure. Uh, maybe we, we're more prepared, I think. And so the school has given my children, of course, we speak Italian at home uh, and also English. So the schoolwork my children do it through English, also very much with each other because I have three and they help each other a lot. So they they do anything that is school related. They're doing it in English, through English. My daughter during the lockdown took great interest in the Italian language, which she never had. But obviously this passion flourished during the very first uh, part of the of the lockdown. And so she started to take classes at the weekends online. And now she's always looking for opportunities to use Italian more. And she asked me to tell her story. So I'm quite positive that this lockdown has really contributed to using Italian more. But definitely we have this divide now that the school language is for homework and Italian is for things that are not related to school. But that's how it works in our family. I'm curious as to why, why do you think your daughter suddenly became very interested in Italian? I, I, I was just really fascinated by this. Um, when she's with me and when I give her time, she tends to want to speak Italian more. Then when mm -hmm. we're all, you know, with three children, you're always running and trying to solve some issues <laughs> with someone. Uh, Fighting a fire somewhere. Exactly. I, I've seen it over the years that when I, I was dedicating really quality time just to her and she's the middle child. So she's the one who might suffer the most out of this kind of trio. But when I give her one to one time she started to respond to me more in Italian or she started to say, oh, it's just me and you going there. She really always points out when we have this special time together that it's really important to her. So probably the extra time we had to spend together made her want to connect more with the language. Mm -hmm. And she's six, well, almost seven. So she knows Italian, but I'm really interested. You know, I would really want to enter her brain to find out what triggered all this suddenly? Yeah, yeah. Some families are actually finding that the lockdown has helped uh, the development of the home language. Um, is that something that you hear from the families that you work with? Uh, definitely. Actually, only last week we had a meeting with um, Irish-based families, uh, kind of scattered around the island, but all kind of trying to keep up their home languages. And we met 
purely because we wanted to know how we can support them better during this really difficult time. And everybody was talking about how either in a good way or not so good way, the pandemic has impacted how they use language. But for the majority of them, it was an opportunity to even rethink how they're using language on a daily basis because they had more time with the children. So uh, even strategies that might have been working for a long time, now they need to be readjusted because everybody's in the same space, everybody's working from home. So it was really fascinating to hear uh, how they're adjusting to this situation. As we're seeing for many aspects of our lives, the impact of the lockdown on bilingual families has been both positive and negative time will only tell to what extent this impact is lasting. At the Rabbi University here in Nijmegen, we're in the process of setting up a similar survey to the one in the UK. So if you're based over here in the Netherlands, keep an eye on social media to find out more. We'll be looking for families to take part from around mid-March. That was it for this special episode of Klet's Heads on the impact of the lockdown on bilingual children. I want to thank my two guests, Tessa Merns and Francesca Lamorgia, for taking the time to share their experiences and tips with us. I hope they'll be of use to many of you. Stay safe and until the next time. If you want to know more about Clets Heads, go to cletsheadspodcast.org. That's where you'll also find more information about this episode. And if you want to make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to Clets Heads using your favourite podcast app. Make sure you select the English edition. And if you've enjoyed the show, why not share it with a friend? Thanks for listening. And as we say in Dutch, tot het volgende keer. Thank you.